What he doesn't realise is there was a whole of South Asian community that were lifting the trophy with him. There are more Asians involved in football than you would expect. There are nowhere near as many Asians involved in football as there should be. Join us on the Our Game 2 podcast as we celebrate the ones that are and discuss the ones that aren't. Okay, so for this special show, I am joined by Z. Good morning, Z. Morning, mate. And by Anwar. How you doing, Anwar? Very well. All good. Great to have you back again. Just as a reminder, you're the Aldershot Town Assistant Manager, but you've also you're also the first Asian to captain a team at Wembley. Is that right? You've captained the FA the West Ham FA Youth Cup winning team as well. Yeah, I've done a few things over the last 20 years, so I've been fairly busy. And, well, I know you're still busy now because not only are you the order shut down assistant manager and obviously this is close season, you're dealing with transfers, etc. Um, you're also with the FSA, the Football Supporters Association. So just quickly on that, do you just want to give us a either a quick heads up or anything to look out for or any way of getting involved? Because I know it's quite important to you, the FSA and everything they do. Do you just want to tell us what you'd like our listeners to know or hear about, or look into? Yeah, so the Fans for Diversity campaign is something I lead on, created six years ago, and it's all about making football as inclusive as possible. That's that's the aim. And everyone can contribute towards that. So if you like football, if you want to watch football, if you want to play football, if you want to get closer to your local team, watch a bigger team, watch England, all those things um, are available, uh, which is what the campaign does. It, it supports individuals to try to embrace football uh, like it should be. And um, we're creating an unbelievable network across the country of fans, people that love football and want to help each other. So if football is, is something you adore, if you've got friends, family, who are fans or someone who just wants uh, to get more involved in the game, I encourage you to, to contact me and um, there's always something that we can do. Fantastic, superb. I mean, I'm the co-chair of what was known as the Bame Hammers. We're changing our name to the Inclusive Irons. And the FSA and you in particular, we're on the fans for diversity aspects of it. You guys have been brilliant. So if anyone wants to reach out, I strongly encourage them to do so. Although there's also lots and lots of initiatives already in place and probably a lot more than people that are aware of. So thanks again, Anwar, for coming on today. So this week or today, what we're going to be doing is having a quick look at the season so far with the lens of Asians in football. And for me, it feels like lots and lots has happened and we seem to have taken many, many strides in the last season. Now, Z, you've been covering this for, what, over 15 years or so now. Has this season, I mean, you be honest with me, has this season felt different in any way, shape or form? Or has it just been the continual steps through the last decade and a half that you've been covering this kind of space? I'd say it definitely feels different. I think um, the big thing I've noticed is the energy is different this year. I think maybe it has something to do with everyone being at home due to the circumstances of this COVID and 
more people have time to actually look around and see what's happening rather than living their busy lives. Um, but it just seems like every single month this season, there seems to be some kind of milestone achieved or a story that broke that uh, pushed the dial up a little. Um, and the big thing for me was the community spirit that the Asian community showed back in players and back in moments. Um, we'll come across some of these moments that we're going through the months, but it definitely feels like there's an upward curve in terms of momentum. I mean, look, players are always going to be doing stuff. The season's always going to continue with or without. But if you're covering it and you're caring about it, it definitely makes a massive difference from my perspective. Yeah, superb. So just to set the scene a little bit, just to remind everyone, I guess, it's so the season started in the middle of lockdown. Um, so many, many challenges, not just for the professional clubs, as we saw, but all the way down to semi-pro. And well, I know you guys, we've talked to you about some of the challenges, all the shot we're facing, grassroots clubs, even players training or not being able to, etc. It was also several months after the George Floyd tragedy. And I think that had opened up the conversations in ways which none of us had seen regarding all aspects of race and discrimination, etc. And I think one of the first things that happened was Greg Clark and the comments he made. Now, he made several comments. The one that was pertinent to Asians was he was saying that Asians tend to have an affinity towards going into IT rather than playing football. Now, I thought that, I mean, at the time it was disappointing because he's the FA and the FA are the people that we see as the gatekeepers of football in this country. But I think the the reaction to it and was a real instigation to everything that followed. What, what do you, and well, first of all, what do you think of of that, looking back at it both at the time and now in retrospect? Listen, it's always disappointing when you hear those lazy stereotypes um, because they've they've followed me for about 20 years and it's something that I've always found quite um, amusing if I'm if I'm brutally honest because you know I'd meet people that never really came across an Asian player or an Asian colleague or member of staff and you know we'd have discussions and they would come out with the you know cricket and diet and you know all those sort of things that we've heard over the years and, and I said where where where'd you base these opinions on oh that's what I've heard I said okay well if you've never experienced playing with or met an Asian person let me give you a narrative for you to follow because you're working with me so all the things you've heard put to one side base your stereotypes on me and then that that training session would go out and I'd absolutely smash them in the air and then that's the stereotype I want you to know of an Asian player but it's these lazy stereotypes that's been followed around for a while and people still use them. And it is just lazy. It is lazy because let's go into detail as to the why, the how, you know, where have these come from. And you're telling me that a stereotype exists over 20, 30, 40 years. Everything in life evolves. So should the lazy stereotypes. So listen, it's extremely disappointing. More so when it comes from people who you expect more from. Because let's face it, if the game is going to change, if the world is going to change, as it stands, that change has to come from the top because people are put in positions of power to dictate change. That's how it works. 
And if people in those positions of power are still standing by these lazy stereotypes, I think that says a lot about where we are. And maybe we need to get more of a diverse mindset in those higher echelons of the game. So disappointed, yes. Surprised, no. For me, I always say to people, base your stereotypes on the people you know, on the experiences you have had. Forget what you hear, because we've all heard things. You know, when some of these stereotypes have been around for so long, you know, um, for me, it's all about change. And that's why this is an exciting time, because all of a sudden now, I think people are picking up on events, on activity. There's more people like yourselves doing podcasts, new stories. So back in the day, there was a load of things that would happen. You know, I would do something at Dagenham, win a National League or something like that. And it was picked up by some, but very few. But now all of a sudden, it is being picked up by a lot. And I think that will add to a change of the narrative. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited by um, the current current times. Cool. Z, I mean, possibly it's revisionist history, but to me, it seems a lot of good has come out of Greg Clark's comments. What are your thoughts? I echo what uh, Anwar said. Um, <clears throat> disappointed, yes. Surprised, no. And... I always look at the reaction of what happens next. So something's been said, and as anyone said, this, these stereotypes have been around for, for a long time, but you always look at what happens next. And usually what happens is people get on with their lives, right? Something happens, there's a bit of fury about it, and then just evaporates. But this hasn't happened this year. But as soon as the comments happened, Greg Clark lost his job. Well, he resigned, but his position became untenable. And it became untenable because... People wouldn't want to stand for it. And it wasn't just the stereotypes of Asians, but the stereotype about black people, about women. It was like pretty much every kind of group you could think of. He thought, let me just hit them all at one go, right? But it just showed that, and when I was talking about the community spirit, it showed that we're not we don't want to stand for it. But secondly, we want to make some positive action. And as Anwar mentioned, you've got you've got this podcast. We spoke about it on here. There were other podcasts and other mediums that spoke about it. Um, Sky Sports also cover it in a way where they actually focus on an angle that's often forgotten is whenever there's a criticism or stereotype about South Asians, it's it's uh, almost a footnote, but this didn't become a footnote. This became one of the main talking points. And I think that's where part of that kind of community spirit came in to say, right, cool, what can we do now to make sure we can fight against these stereotypes and these thought processes? And um, I, I was just very... Um, at the point when I when I heard it and I was getting the messages and everything was coming through on, on the text and WhatsApp, it was just like, for me, it was like, oh, again, you know, like, that was my reaction. I thought, it's, but does anyone else care? Does anyone else care that he said these things? Because we've heard it for so many people and, and individuals across, across the years, but it seemed like people did care and there was action taken and then there was intent made to change that. And, and you're seeing some of the things that are happening now there's always a positive that comes out of a, of a dark situation. So I think, in a way, thanks to Greg Clark, because he made us all wake up and realise that we need to move forward. And those are the views that get left behind. And also, there's consequences for your action now. Like if you say something or do something, can't get away with it. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so also towards the start of the season, <clears throat> I'll just go through some... Some of the events that happened. Um, so Amrit Bansal McNulty, he made his Northern Ireland 
under 21 debut. So it was another Asian breaking onto the the international scene. What can you tell us about him briefly, Z? He's a he's a young pro at QPR. Spent the half the season alone in Serie C with Como FC in Italy. Um, young, fast, energetic winger slash midfielder coming through the ranks. And it's always good when someone makes the international debut that one more echelon, especially at a young age, they get noticed. You're, you're seeing that they're part of that kind of international process and mindset of the managers. And hopefully we'll be seeing making first team debut soon for, for QPR, wherever he goes. Um, but yeah, very exciting player. I think there's some highlights on, on the page where I've put up. So if you visit my page, you can see some of the goals he scored and some of the assists he's made. So he's definitely one to look out for. Fantastic. Then in November, we had an Asian live on BT Sports. Jay Siva, who was captain of Canvey Island. Did you get to watch that game, Anwar? Yes, I did. Uh, I know Jay very well. He's a really, really good player. He's been a bit of a, a non-league legend, if you like, because um, everywhere he goes, he seems to... That's one of the most really pleasing things about about Jay, about um, other players that I know that play in non-league. They're not just good players, but they have a really, really big impact on the team and the club. So wherever Jay has been, he's been loved by the fans, loved by the players. He's one of the lads. He's well-respected. I think, you know, he's been skipper at a lot of the teams he's played for. So for me, that says so much because, yes, you know what, we can play. We've got good players. But actually, I want the lads to start infiltrating the club. You know, so for me, I don't care what club it is. It could be a club in step five with 20 fans. If you go to watch that game and there's an Asian player playing for that team, for a Glebe, for a Sheppey, for whoever it is in the lower levels, the fans adore that player. And he makes an impression at that club. And um, obviously, Jay's that kind of person. He's that character. I think he'd go on to coach. But again, just to have people like that and have their presence on TV. And that's what I want to see more of. For me, that's something I've always struggled with. At the top levels, it's always difficult. Playing for England, playing the Premier League, trust me, I've been there. It is so difficult. Not only to get there, but to sustain that every single year. You can go and buy the best players around the world. The best players are coming through. So for me, I think the representation at the lower levels, you know, from, I say lower levels, I'm talking about lower league, league, league one, league two, all the way down to lower leagues, are great because you always get that day every year where a Marine plays Spurs, you know, and it's that fairy tale of watching a game where people were in their gardens watching it, you know, through their bedroom windows and stuff like that. And to have an Asian player playing on those sort of days as well, for me, is massive because it's that subtle thing, but we are everywhere. And for me, at the lower levels, I think there's been some smashing players over the years that have obviously not quite made it at the top. But for me, I want to see more players filter down into non-league because as I know, I mean, at Aldershot now, the amount of players that come to us and then have gone on to League Two and League One it's a breeding ground. It's almost like a catapult to plan at the higher levels. So I'd encourage all, all non-league players, to, uh, Asian players, to use non-league as a platform. And actually, listen, I don't care what level it is. If you are adored by your fans and your club at any level, it's an amazing feeling. So Jay's done really well. He's had a great career and just pleased that he could um, get his uh, get his evening on the TV. What made me laugh about Jay's shirt was uh, they tried to put his name on the back of a shirt and it ended up going from like, the whole way round because it was so long. So, yeah, no, good day. Good day. And I'm really pleased for him. Fantastic. Something else which I think was huge that happened in November was Sky Sports. They launched their 
Asians in football page. What sort of impact is that having, Z? All right, well, just on that, I'm going to give a big shout out to Dev Trahan. We all know him. He's a great friend of ours. We've uh, known him for years and he's always covered as best as he can South Asian football stories wherever he's been, whether it's been local, regional and now at Sky Sports as well. So it's something that he's always done. But the moment you have a page on a mainstream website dedicated to the community, it's just it's mountains. It's moving mountains, honestly, because it's all we've been crying out for to be accepted onto that mainstream platform, not to be the one off story where it's talking about an issue or whenever, you know, we have the, the weeks of action, we kick it out. You've been in newsroom. I know some newsroom will be like, oh, we've covered the Asian story for the year when it's around the angle, right? Or something happens with, with racism or discrimination. And there's, those stories need to be covered, don't get me wrong. But this page is charting a journey, right? This chart, page is charting a journey. And then if you're looking at it in terms of our visibility, acceptance, and just the vast faces, and something that Animal mentioned about Jay as well, when you see it, right, you know that phrase, you can't be what you can't see? Now you can't get away from it. Do you know what I mean? If anyone wanted to know about these stories, you just send them the link. It's all here. And it's not just one person or one story. It's not just Premier League. It's all angles. It's coming from, from the Champions League to the community pretty much. That's what we're talking about. And that's all we ever wanted, to have that level play. Um, and I just hope it encourages other mainstream organisations to do the same and, and certain organisations to to step up and and, you know, do the same as well. Because, look, it's with news, it's all about content. It's all about filling pages, it's all about filling space. And our community has an abundance of stories within. Um, I just, it's honestly, when I saw it, when I saw it happen, I, it took me back. It, it just, like, I, I just had to stop for a second thing. Uh, this is quite big. Should I mean it? It's Sky Sports. But mostly, look, I'd say a big thank you to Dev. Um, because the boys put in tireless hours over the years doing this for us. And it's only right that we acknowledge the page for sure. Sky Sports in there a bit, but you got to acknowledge the person as well who's, who's putting in the, the hard work and the hours and, and, and making it happen. Just on that as well, I mean, it's interesting because uh, I've known Dev for a long time. You know, and, and for me as well, like with Z's work and Dev's work, like and there's people that have been doing this for a very, very long time, a long time, and they haven't really had the acknowledgement. So to see them having the acknowledgement, for me, it's great because I've been part of that journey and they've been part of my journey and it's about that, that, that supporting each other. So I think that's really, really good and I'm so grateful for the work that he's doing. Yeah, very humble is our Dev. He, he keeps saying it's a team effort, but we know he's driving it. So... Moving on to January, lots happened in January. We had Mika Richards' documentary about racism, which featured sport in Bengal, one of your former clubs, Anwar. Um, Chorley FC were in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Their youth coach, Erfan Kawir, is it, who's, who's Asian. Mal Benning made his 300th senior appearance. How difficult is that to do and sustain, Anwar? Well, listen, making 300 appearances for any club at any level is an absolutely amazing achievement. I think Mal deserves so much credit for doing that. Mansfield are a big club. 
they're a big club with an absolutely fantastic fan base. And I've seen him on a few occasions. And he's been that rock, that steady Eddie, that reliable go-to person that different managers and different uh, fans have actually said, no, he, he's the man. Like, and, you know, when, when there's loads of changing clubs. There always is. But he seems to be one of the consistents. So for me, so it's an amazing achievement. He's done so, so well. And I think someone has gone slightly under the radar as well. You know, he's a right back, 300 games. But that sums up football, isn't it? If he was a centre forward who scored loads of goals or created loads of goals, there might be a different sort of story around that. But he's that reliable kind of Gary Neville of uh, Mansfield, if you like, just gets his, <laughs> gets the job done. But for me, he's a wicked, wicked uh, guy. He's great for the community. And what a servant, you know, he's, he's, he's done it for so long and so many years at a great club. So, listen, I tip my hat off to him and hopefully he's got, he's got more, um, more and more work in those legs because he's not done there. Fantastic. I think for me, the biggest story of January was probably the FA Cup third round proper, which because of COVID, Villa had to field a team of youngsters against Liverpool. Z, what do you what what was special about that? Well, it was the first time we the world knew about a player called Arjun Reiki. Um first of all. Can you believe you're playing against the Premier League champions, FA Cup third round on TV under 23? So obviously that's, the Aston Villa team had a bit of an issue, didn't they? Most of some of the players contracted COVID and they had to shut the training ground and players were in isolation. So this is that part about football, I'm sure Anwar will testify that you've always got to be ready. No matter what 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 team you're playing, if you're in the reserves, if you're in the first team, if you're on the fringes, you've always got to train to be ready. And these boys had to be ready and they stepped up. And uh, seeing uh, it's a follow-on, isn't it? Because in the second round we had JC the captain in, and that's non-league football, and that captures the imagination. And then you see a young Arjun Reiki playing for the Villa team against the Premier League champions. It's, it was it was just huge, and the, the kind of again I go back to the community kind of spirit. And you look on the on the social media there was huge support for that moment. I think everyone seemed to be tuned in. I think all of us were tuned into that game. Parents are watching with their kids. It was, a, it was a massive moment. And I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because it is just one game. For the individual, it's great because he made his pro, he's making his pro debut. But you've got to still remember, he is a scholar player at the age. He's not, he's not a pro. He's, he could still, you know, may or may not make it as a pro in the game. And it's a huge moment for that. But I think, the energy was correct because what we were seeing was support for the player. It wasn't a hype thing. It was just, we're going to support a lad from the community because he's representing. Um, and what's happened previously in the past, if we go back to, to Anwar's time, when we had the likes of Anwar, uh, Chopra, Zesh, Harpal, Adnan, there was a huge emphasis on those guys to be almost the saviors of the community because we we're so starved of seeing anyone from the community make it as a pro footballer. So even when, and I'm sure you remember, and when you're 15, 16, there's an extra emphasis on on you guys to make it. And you could say whether it was a good pressure or a bad pressure, but it felt like you had to make it. You had no choice. But what we've seen with these youngsters coming through, they've got a different kind of mentality as well because they've grown up in the social media age. So they've grown up in having this exposure every single day. Um, but I just felt that Angie was so great from the people. Uh, he put in a great performance, 
But I just love the reaction from the community, if I'm being honest. And that remained throughout. And we'll, we'll talk a bit further on that, about what happened later on in the season. But that was the start of good energy for, for Arjun. Yeah. Um, OK, moving on to, I was about to say, even even Liverpool fans were a little bit conflicted, like the Asian ones. Like I saw quite a few comments from them, like, who do we support, the Asian lad, or do we support our team? February, lots happened in February. So Dylan Markenday made, no, he was in the squad for Spurs' Euro, Europa League match. Axa Mushtak over in Italy scored a first goal for Roma. Um, I'm not sure which bits of this one you want to focus on. Some of the other things, there was the Ames initiative. Yandanda received racist abuse. And instead of just sort of coming out with it, he was, he came out and he's quite public about fighting it. Swansea were quite public about, I think they even, they started they had the first social media blackout, right? Um, and while one of the things that you've been involved in is trying to get some of the Asian based football supporters together. Um, and so that was the creation of, I guess we call, we call it an Upna England group where it, <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of Asian based football fans from different clubs, from Leeds, from Derby, from, from West Ham, etc. that all get together, which culminated in them having a phone call with Gareth Southgate. So, that was February. Which of which of those bits stands out for you, Anwar? Well, obviously, I have to say the Gareth Southgate bit because obviously I arranged that. So I want to want to mention that quickly. But no, up in England, um, just very quickly because it is it is a long story. You know, when I was pl- when I was playing, <clears throat> listen, I had uh, I was very fortunate to play from you know, clubs in the Premier League all the way down into non-league. But <clears throat> I would literally scour the crowd in some stadiums. Know, corners and free kicks. I'd be looking around at Bradford or at Luton. I'm looking for the Asian fans because everywhere I went, like I'd, I'd be in a random place like Grimsby or South End, and I'd always get like, "Amwa, amwa, amwa." Ah, bye, bye. I've come to watch you, and I love that. I used to love it. Like some random guys just went to the turnstiles, bought a ticket for seventeen quid just to watch a fellow uh, South Asian player playing. So that, that happened, um, but not enough, I like him. But obviously getting this job, going around the country, getting the community engaged with clubs, creating fan bases, creating fan groups all over the country now. We've got some amazing groups. We, we form a network. And um, obviously the FA were interested in just finding out what was going on. So we spoke to the England Supporters Travel Club. They heard some of the stories of Asian fans going away, watching England, watching games at home, some of the positive and negative stories. And they want to do something about it. And they've realized that the Fans Diversity Network is growing. And they said, look, what would you like to do? I said, listen, it'd be good to get a player or a manager to have a conversation with some of these guys and actually listen to some of the stories that they've had supporting England over the last decade. And, um, you know, when you ask for things and you sort of think it won't happen, but actually two days later, yeah, cool, you've got Gareth Southgate for, for an hour. And it ended up being an hour and a half because the conversation just flew and, um you know, he was confident about doing more and hopefully doing something prior to the Euros. So that just shows that in all aspects of the game now, so we're talking about playing on the field, off the field, there's lots of activity that's going on. So that's a really positive story from that month. But obviously what happened with Yandanda is something I deal with in my day job a lot in terms of incidents of uh, discrimination live and on social media. It's a big, big problem. Um, but I feel like one thing that is positive now is there's, 
a shift. Whereas now the critical mass, you know, your average football supporter is supportive of players or individuals that are victims of discrimination. Whereas I think 10, 15 years ago, it was almost like everyone was sitting on the fence. But now one good thing is that when you see an Asian player, an Asian fan, a black player or a black fan come out and talk about an incident of this nature, there is so much support. So I think the critical mass is starting to realise that actually this is socially unacceptable. There's always going to be a minority in football in life that you're never going to change. You're going to have views and listen, what their views are or their views. But for me, it's about creating a safe environment. And when Yan spoke about that, it, I, I enjoyed seeing the support he got because players like, like myself and Zesh and, and Chops and Harbo Adnan, we were playing in a time where you know, if, if if something did happen, and it did, we couldn't go to social media. We couldn't do certain things. Referees didn't take anything seriously. It was almost like you'd speak to a manager or a player. You had to deal with it. So one thing that is good is there have been improvements. There are now measures in place where if something happens, there's a process and you can get support and people will be aware that it's happening. You know, 10 years ago, I can tell you now, you know, some of the things I've heard or seen, in stadiums that were said to me, you speak to someone, it's like, well, look, we've got to get on with it. Nothing's going to happen. So that's a positive, but we're talking about something that should be standard anyway. You know, players that were playing 10, 15 years ago, not just at my level, but even at grassroots level, things weren't taken seriously. It was almost like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Don't play then. You know, that has to change and it is changing. Um, So that was really disappointing, obviously, that Jan has to still go through that and other players. However, I think that the critical mass now realise that you have to support where support is needed and there is a process now so players feel more safe. Well, can I just ask you a question on that? So you've been through that. You've, you've had that lived experience where nothing, it just seemed like nothing was going to get done, even if you did raise it. At any stage, have, have the PFA or the FA or any authority kick out spoken to yourself and others about that experience and what you would have liked that time and is is that why measures have changed? What what do you think the change has been? How the change has come about? There is there, there always has been dialogue. So, for example, I was always invited to events and you all get-togethers with other players to talk about some of the experiences that you face. You know, what's it like? But one, there was no way as frequent as there should have been. And for me, I feel like because it was such an anomaly, right? It is literally such an anomaly. You're talking about the first two or three, four players that are playing mainstream football in this country, there should be consistent, proper support. I'm not saying we're special, but actually we are special. You know, we're not asking for, you know, we want just normal treatment like every other player. However, I have a Muslim name, a brown skin, and I'm very, very different to anyone who's ever played here before. So for me, it's about understanding what is it like for you to be an Asian player in the early noughties what experiences, what's happening and how can we support. Um, so, yes, listen, there was dialogue. But for me, I feel like a lot of players of my generation actually just lost hope and lost trust and lost faith in it and then just got to a point where they thought, you know what, I had to deal with this at the elite level. I'm not quite good enough for the elite level. Am I going to deal with this in non-league? Is it worth £500, 400 quid to be, to, you know, to be spoken to, to be, to be treated differently? Probably isn't. I'll go and get a job. Now, what I said to you before, I'm in a level now at National League where that's the kind of money you pay. 
and you're trying to you're trying to find these players that have been released from you know the Wickhams and all these sorts of teams. But for an Asian player, there's the added question: you know what? Some of the treatment, some of the ignorance, some of the banter. Do I want to go and do that for 500 quid? Now the question, the answer should be yes, because you go do it for a year, two years, you get better, you go back up the leagues. But sometimes you're thinking to yourself, I can't, oh, it's not worth the hassle, I'll go and get a job. So, and I know players, I know players that I had at Sporting Bengal. Yeah. I mean, Shahed Ahmed's, uh, I hope you don't mind me talking about him, but a great example. What a talented, what a talented football player. Made his debut for Wickham Wanderers, scored a goal, I think, playing at a very good level. And then comes out of the, the, the system and go and plays for Sporting Bengal. He was much, much better than that level. But for mm. him, it was about, I want to play where I'm comfortable, where I'm appreciated, so I can just get my head down. But going to that level and then going back up the ladder is extremely, extremely difficult. So I definitely feel like there wasn't enough support in place holistically for Asian players in general. I think that is changing and it has changed. So I'm encouraged by that. But listen, we've missed out on a lot of players. And I think football um, has missed out. And I don't think football has done enough for a whole generation of, of, of young Asian football players. On that, one of the things I thought was quite interesting is, right, generalising, in the past, a lot of players of Asian heritage have played down their Asian heritage. They haven't talked about it during their career, especially during the early years etc whereas there seems to be a bit of a shift now I mean you had a player on loan from Bournemouth Dinesh who spoke out he's been on Sky Sports talking about both his culture his religion and the fact he's an Asian playing football Yan Danda spoke about it Hamza Chowdhury has spoken about it Arjun's been very vocal about um, promoting the Punjabi villains etc so I just thought, thought I'd point out that's that's how I see it. Z. Do you think that's right? That 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 has happened, and link that with what you think of the Ames Initiative as well. Do you think that helps as well? I think I mentioned previously that um, youngsters right now are in a the generation of young people growing up. It's different to how we grew up. We're kind of that like that last bastion of people that grew up in an analog and then switched to a digital age. So we were really restricted on terms of what we knew and and what we how we could express ourselves, right? Um, and if you grow up in a social media generation, everything is amplified, both positive and negative. Um, what I've noticed is with these young players, is they're very very comfortable in their identity as compared to what we were, because I think we were kind of in the halfway house of living dual identities that hold assimilating or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for whatever reason you had to do it, you had to do it to survive. Right? I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone who had to do one way or the other. But the the examples you mentioned, uh, you mentioned about Hamza, he's done a campaign with EA Sports and the Midnight Ramadan League talking about his uh, his upbringing and his, his pride in his culture. And he's saying he is because of how he was brought up in terms of his heritage, culture, religion. If you did that 10 years ago, 15 years ago it, it's it's it would be seen so I'm trying to find the right word here but you'd be if you were weren't seen as the other you'd be seen seen even more as the other back then but right now it just feels that you can express who you are as a, as as an individual and i think part of that whole being comfortable comfortable and confidence 
then helps breed more comfortability and confidence in other players as well. And I think you mentioned about the Ains project, about it being the the gateway or creating this mentorship and dialogue between young players and, and pros in the game. I'm sure we've had Riz on, on the podcast and, and, and what can give us more info on it as well. That breeds even further confidence to express who you are as a person and that makes you comfortable go on the field to express yourself as a player. No, I would agree. I would agree totally with that. I mean, one thing, I, I mean, the, the project is really important because take away the South Asian aspect of it, any young pro about to embark on a career you can learn so much from a pro or a person that's been around the game for 20, 30 years. That's, it's like the, the, the little bits of information, the help, it's so important. I mean, I wish when I was growing up, I could pick up the phone and ring someone who was coming to the end of their career or had a career and say, look, I've just been dropped. I'm trying to get into the team. What do you think about this move? You know, I, I would have loved that. So to be able to be in a position to do that, I think is, is really, really important. Um, and it's nice to be able to have the two generations to be able to do that. I think that's a really, really sign of success. So maybe we can do it really, really well now. And that we haven't really had the opportunity to do it prior to that. Because as I say, we were the first real generation that broke through. So now there's not many players from the South Asian community that have got 20 years experience as playing, coaching, management. Now there are individuals that actually do have. So the amount of opportunity that you can give to other young aspiring players is priceless. And I think that's so something that is, is, is crucial to development. But also, um, it's about learning. For me, when I, when I was growing up, there was so much ignorance towards my religion and my culture. No one understood it. No one got it. People were scared of it. Because it's something you don't know, a lot of people are fearful of. It's different. It's strange. I don't understand it. We're talking about, you know, the 90s. Move on 20, 30 years, and I think with, with some films that have come out, with radio, with music, all of a sudden I think people have got an insight into our culture and actually realise how colourful it is, actually realise how humble we are, how joyous we are, how peaceful we are. And it's got to a point now where you can celebrate that and people can celebrate that with you, whereas 20, 30 years ago it was like a closed book. No one wanted to read this book. What is the Asian culture? What does it mean to be Muslim? Or what does it mean to be South Asian? It's no one cares. No one knows. That's your book. When you go home, you do, you be you. And I think now over the last 30 years, there's been some amazing human beings from the South Asian community that have gone on to act, sing, you know, presenters, TV, and they've actually shone a light on our culture. And people are starting to realize how beautiful that is. And that's why I feel now that people can be so confident who they are because people now realise how beautiful uh, the South Asian culture is and, and, and who we are as people as well. And, and that's that's something that I love, just love seeing because the people that we see, you mentioned the likes of Jay Siver and the players playing at the top, these are people that are infiltrating now changing rooms, communities and clubs and actually showing everyone what we're really about. We've never had that. But all of a sudden, the last 20, 30 years, we're doing that now. We've got people working for organisations in the game We've got fan groups. We've got people uh, discussing things at board level from the Asian community. So all of a sudden, listen, door, we only needed the door to be open a little bit. We'll smash the door and we'll go in and we'll show people what we're really like. And that's been a journey. 
And I feel like I do really believe that a lot of people, like my uncles and my elders, they've now had to go through some some tough times to really sow the seeds to make it better for the next generation of young Asian football players and people. Uh, and, and I think that we have to acknowledge that. I think it's really important. Cool. Um, so moving on to March. March, we had Ritesh Mishra. He was named Manager of the Month for Charlton Athletic Women who play in the championship, Women's Championship. Ricky Hill came out as the first player of Asian heritage to play for England, which was quite an interesting development. We'll need to try and get Ricky on at some point. Um, Z, Otis Khan got to the EFL Trophy final, the first of many finals for Asians this season. If you look at the month of May, I think we'd look at it. It was, it was just every week was a final that we were involved in, wasn't it? Um, oh, it's kind of such an interesting story. Um, there's a guy who's an attacking midfielder. Uh, and this season for Tranmere, he's been playing as a right back. And he was known as the Birkenhead Cafu. <laughs> it's just like, it's another thing that, that Anwar mentioned about being taken by the fans. And having that impact, a positive impact for the club. And being loved by the fans. And obviously this season, due to the COVID restrictions, there haven't been fans in the stadium. But they he's he's had that support and love from um from the fans who've been watching on the TV. Got to the Papa John's trophy final. Unfortunately, they didn't win. Um, but he was an absolute menace on that right hand side. And he's an ex-Manchester United um youth player. So you know he's had a, he always had a bit of talent in him, and was it last season he was playing with uh, Mal Benning at Mansfield Town as well. So we had two two uh, two South Asian lads playing together at Mansfield Town. Um, he's he's an exciting player. Uh, unfortunately, this season they they missed out on 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 promotion. They lost in the playoff semi-finals. Um, they got an exciting team there at Tranmere Rovers, and he fitted fitted in so nicely with with the team there. So it was, it was really good to see him in the final. He didn't win it, but others did. But it's always great to see a player playing on the big stage at Wembley Stadium and another another game that's on TV, another chance to see uh, a South Asian lad playing on the big, uh, big stage. Okay, moving on to April. Now we're coming to the business end of the season and on my list of things, half of it is made up of April and May. So starting in no particular place but I think something touching on what you've just said Anwar about how society and how we see things has changed in the last 20-30 years and one of the things for me was during Ramadan um, I think for Fana for Leicester against Palace was the first time a Premier League club a Premier League match has stopped to allow a Muslim player to take to break fast in the middle of a game. And I mean, Fafana's not Asian, but Leicester is a club with a rich Asian history. And let's face it, a lot of the Asians in the UK are Muslim as well. How how important, how, how, how did that make you feel watching that? Yeah, listen, it was amazing because like I said, it's just an, an acknowledgement of different cultures and actually having an understanding of what players are going through. So we had two players at Alder Shot that were fasting. And usually they would fast and just do it quietly. But actually we embraced it and we got the other players to actually go, this is what's happening. This is, we need to be aware of this and we have to support our players because this is what they're going through. 
And I think that has to happen at every level, you know, to be really inclusive and to be a really good teammate and a good manager and a good club owner. I think you have to appreciate who you have in your team and understand the differences that come with that. That happened on Sky Sports. It was almost like football and the media doing it as well. This is happening. Let's, let, let, let's, how can we acknowledge that and how can we show support? Now, the great thing is, you know, what usually would happen is there's usually banners or a campaign. Sometimes we overcomplicate this work. Sometimes it's about doing the simplest thing, just being kind, being, you know, having that acceptance and that understanding. And, you know, things like that have been happening in the likes of Turkey and Muslim countries for a long time because obviously the bulk of their players fast. It's never happened here. So for that to happen was incredible because for me, it just sparked that conversation that fans watching on the TV would have gone, what's all this about? I can imagine some of the households. What, what's all this about? What are they doing? I don't know. It's, uh, it's some fasting thing. What's that? You know, go on Google. There you go. So all of a sudden, when you actually read what it entails, I don't know any person that will go. So you're telling me Premier League football players are fasting all day and playing and doing that. Now, we talked about these lazy stereotypes why is that not a stereotype about the Muslim community? You know, how, how it is so important to us that we do that through, through whatever it is that we do, because it's a big thing in our religion. It's a big thing to us. And like I said, I admire anyone who does it, anyone who, who tries to do it. And uh, like I said, I've played with players over the years at the highest level who have fasted whilst playing in the Premier League. I know how hard it is. You know, it's something that we do each year. And for me, that's such an acknowledgement that people were having that conversation and then realising, wow, because it is a challenge. That was, that was a beautiful thing. And I'm grateful that it was done and it sparks that conversation. I'll tell you something, from a West Ham fan point of view, which obviously I am, looking at comments on social media, looking at the forums, etc. No one questioned it. Like with Saeed Ben Rama, who had a great match for us. I can't remember who it was against. And, and he was fasting. And I think actually he played another game where he wasn't so great. But none of the comments were negative about the fasting. They were almost like, look, he did really well considering he was fasting. So there's, there seems to be a much wider acceptance happening. Okay, so other things in April. Just, just on. on that point, um if you don't mind me making the point about that, about 10, 12 years ago, it was a, an opposite thing. So Jose Mourinho had a kind of a choice words to say about Sulimontari. Sulimontari was fasting when he played for Inter and Jose subbed him off early in the game and said he shouldn't be fasting because he lacked the energy. And then we flipped to now and you see Brendan Rodgers was basically saying, yep, yeah, you know, we support him, was doing, let him get a bit of uh, energy and he played a great game for us. And it's it's the, the shift. You see the shift that's happened there. And we're talking about a decade difference. It's not that long. But it's, like I mentioned, it's on Sky. So you've got the media, you've got the managers who are always speaking about it in a kind of a matter-of-fact way. It's not like we're kind of over-celebrating, over-making more of this moment. Like 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 uh, Anwar said, we're not over-complicating. It, it happened, it's a fact. But it's almost said in a matter-of-fact way. And I think that is what helps normalise situations and, and, and moments like that. They're significant, 
but the fact that you mentioned that on the forums, it was a made a big deal about just shows how you can normalize these moments that in years to come, it will just be one more thing that happens. And to be honest, like last summer when football did restart, it was in the heat of the summer and we had the, the water breaks. So it was no, no different to that, a break in play. But it was just for a more significant moment than just getting some fluids on for, for the reason you're doing it. But I, I, I just noticed that the change in how the media were talking about it, how managers were talking about it, the players were more happy to do it openly. And I, I don't think they asked for it. I don't think the players asked to be put on a camera to show this moment was happening. But for someone like Sky, Sky Sports to say, you know what, this where we've got a large audience here, we could possibly change some viewpoints. Whether that was an intention or not, it seems to have that positive impact. Yeah. Um, right. So April, Hamza Chowdhury launched a book and included in that he was celebrating his Asian heritage. Zidane Iqbal signed a pro contract at Manchester United. Rosie Kamita scored a hat-trick. I think it was a perfect hat-trick. Um and she went on to win Watford's Player of the Season after only joining in the summer. A couple of the slightly bigger things, or actually one of the bigger things, was around referees. Bops and Sonny Gill were part of the refereeing team for Bristol City against Nottingham Forest. And well, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, were you ever officiated by, by an Asian in your professional career? Well... You know what? It's a it's quite a, it's quite an interesting uh, story actually because I was going to tweet. So I was um, all the shot played Maidenhead, and Gil was the referee on the team sheet. And I was thinking, oh, this is this is cool. This is a first. Obviously, I'm I'm on the touchline, and we've got a, a South Asian referee. Um, so I was quite excited by that. Um, and I was I was thinking I should tweet this. I should tweet something about this. But I thought let let the game pass first. And he gave me a yellow card in the 88th minute, <laughs> which, which on the, uh, it was funny because on the Twitter, uh, all the shots Twitter on the 88th minute, it was like, and Warren, the system referee, uh, system manager gets a yellow card from, from the referee. And I was actually going to quote tweet that and say, this is progress because obviously I was getting booked by an Asian referee, but I, I thought uh, probably you know, maybe the National League probably wouldn't see the funny side of that. But no, it was great. It was great to be booked by an Asian referee because it's just it just shows that this is how it is, you know, that this is what happens. Um, I think it's great. They're journalists and John Wait, is an amazing. Did you not say to bruv, I'm Asian like you, we do. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I listen. I don't know who, how many people are going to re- re- watch this, but Jarnell was amazing when I used to play. So when he used to um, rest me while I was at Dagenham, there's a few times where I probably should have got a card, and he'd pull me to one side and he'd be like, "Listen, come on, like you're making it hard for me here. I need to like, be careful. I'm going to give you another. Uh, I'll give you a red or a yellow." But he was brilliant because like Jarnell had that way about him where he would have a bit of banter with the players, and he just. He was he had a great character, and obviously it's great to see his, uh, his boys doing the same. But listen, that was a it was a great experience for me, and and, and those sort of things for me, like, I don't think like it just makes me so happy. Like you get myself, uh, Dinesh, who came to play for us at Bournemouth. You've got the uh, chairman of Aldershot, who's a, a South Asian. So there's there's presence now, and sometimes I'll go across, and even when we played Solihull Moors, um, you know, to, to, to have someone on the opposite touchline. Again, representing the South Asian community, you know, a loose link if you want. But for me, there's so many little milestones like that that are great. And then whenever I hear, you know, like 
you know, Rosie scores a hat-trick for Watford and I see the stuff on Instagram and the pictures. These things are, are massive. Hamza's book was was brilliant. I know Show Racing the Red Card sent me um, some, some information around that and it was like, wow, this is really good to see. So there is so much going on. But again, going back to it, the, the best thing is that, you know, we're able to profile it. Um, people are talking about it. I should have definitely tweeted about that incident, but I didn't. I was trying to be sensible. Cool. Okay. Um, so moving on to May and the actual business end of the season. Um, so the first thing I'm going to start off with actually is the social media boycott. All the football clubs did it, all the football organisations, etc. Um, Z, I'll start with you. I, I know you question the value of it. Month or so on, what are your thoughts about that? At the time when 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 it when it was happening, I then what got me when I see UEFA and FIFA jumping on it after the ban they gave. Uh, there was a situation that happened. I can't remember who, what what game it was, and I just slipped my mind. But the ban was so paltry to the situation, and but they're calling for great action to be taken by social media companies. But when they had a moment to make a stand and actually show this is what action looks like, it felt like they balked on it. So just simply a bit, for me, it was a bit hypocritical for an organisation like UEFA to all of a sudden, yeah, we're standing behind it. Facebook, Insta, need to take action. We demand this action. And that's why we're joining Boycott. But when you had a chance to make the impact and lead the line, you didn't. And that's why for me, it was like, I understand why it happened. And, uh, and, and, the only good thing you can say is it brought the fraternity together, which is a good thing. You need the fraternity to be together from, from the top to bottom, all the clubs, um, even grassroots teams were involved, um, all the football, I say the football family was there. But that's a great action. You've done it for the, the, the blackout for the weekend. What now? It's been a month. What is that next step here? And, that's the bit I'm interested in. I'm, I'm interested in, I'm always interested in what happens next because everyone made a great intention, fantastic. But what, what now? Is, is it just like we've done our bit? We put, you know, last year we put the, the, the Black Square for Black Lives Matter. I wanted that on the socials. Movements on, moments like that are only good if there is going to be an impact later. Now, the thing is, we know how things work they don't always move fast as fast as we want it to right but you still need to see some kind of intention or movement forward um but last week it was a was a marcus rashford saying that after the europa league final he received the messages again and you're thinking uh, uh, at what stage does this become that normalized normalization in the wrong way that oh it's just another message because no action is going to be taken it just becomes normal to be abused, you know? So for me, I'm, I'm, I just want to see what action is going to happen next rather than just a boycott. And again, it goes back to when, when you see organisations like UEFA, I'm not, I'm not picking on them, but I'm just saying they had a situation happen very recently that happened in, under their jurisdiction and they didn't take what I think was the appropriate action or gave out the appropriate punishment. But they're asking for another organisation to take severe action. It doesn't make sense to me. Fully get that. Um, having said that, listen, there's a whole spectrum. There's 
there's, there's so many different organizations, so many different individuals that were involved. And you're right with UEFA and FIFA, they, they, yeah, they've got questionable priorities at times. Um, but I mean, and what? Listen, you've got several different football hats. And first of all, were you supportive of the social media boycott? And what are your thoughts about both how it went? And to answer Z's question, what do you think needs to happen moving forward? Yes, yeah, so I was supportive of it because I think anything that sparks conversation about something that needs a conversation is important. Um, I always see it from an FSA perspective. So at the weekend, there was, a, I think it was the penultimate weekend of the Championship or the Premier League. And actually, a lot of those fans who use Twitter or different forms of social media would be tuning into what's going on, you know, the updates. So for a lot of people, like we're in, in the know because it's a space that we understand, we work in, uh, we've been in it a long time. So we're in the know. For me, I think, yes, it's not, it's not a magic wand that's going to change those things overnight. However, that critical mass that I keep talking about, all those people that are not in the know, don't really understand the severity of some of these issues, have no clue about some of the issues that people have to deal with and, and are challenged with, they would have gone, why am I club doing this? What's all this about? And for me, it, that, that, that I think is important because it's about, for us that's been talking about this for a long time, it's just another thing. For them, I think it could be the start of this thing. So they go, okay, maybe this is something I need to be aware of to understand. But for me, yeah, it is about the next step. And the only good thing for me was that <clears throat> it brought football together. I don't think that happens enough. Um, you know, so let's all come together to do this. Great. You know, but if we had that energy, like with the European Super League, how everyone came together to be against that, actually, like, let's all jump on this. Let's all show support over the course of three, four days. It was amazing. Like the amount of work that the FSA were doing was, was crazy. I sometimes wonder, had we had that energy, that collective approach to issues of racism, discrimination and underrepresentation, 10 years ago, would, would us three be having the conversations that we're having now? Because I don't, I don't think we would be. So for me, that, that says, it says, it says something in it. Is it a priority? I think maybe it is now. Has it been a priority? I can quite confidently say, I think that it hasn't been over the last decade. So for me, it is about the what next. And actually, I think we can't keep saying in another 10 years, the same conversations that we're having. Things do need to change. And we have the people in places, we have the, the media outlets and the voice now to really put pressure on that change. So it is about working um, towards the next step. However, it was good to see football come together because they don't do that enough. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the ESL thing was massive and you're right. It's phenomenal how everyone worked together. Everyone was completely united. Um, and yeah, you're right. If we could bottle that energy and do it for anything, it'd be it it changed the world. But there you go. Right, just before we get on to some of the really exciting stuff, um, I know the FA have got their Asians in football um program, etc. Et and they delivered a sort of half-term half-time report etc which you're involved in and anyway, what do you mind just setting the scene a little bit as to 
what they're trying to achieve, what they've done, what the report kind of highlighted? I think for me, I mean, I got approached by the FA to get involved in the Zoom call to have a discussion about the landscape, um, you know, what's happening now, my story, um, which, listen, I'll always help everyone. Uh, if anyone asks me to do anything, I'll always try to make myself available. So so I did that. Um, in terms of the actual plan itself, I think they're trying to build on something that they've had and that's been going for, for the last sort of 10, 15 years. And for me, it's about it's about tangible tangible results now and actions. It's it's something that's been put in place to obviously increase representation, awareness, all the things that's needed um, holistically across the game. And you know what? There are some really good things. I mean, I was um, I did my A license last year, and uh, I, I used a bursary that I wouldn't have, have been able to use had the FA not um, implemented that into their coaching schemes. So there are some things out there that are really beneficial to to those that want to go on this journey. But for me, it's about giving everyone an understanding of what that journey is across the game. So if you're involved in football, yeah, you know, here's some ways to become a referee. Here's some ways to coach. For me as well, it's about it's about those grassroots individuals, those people that like football but not sure how to get involved, not sure what direction to go in. Um, so listen, the plan is, is put in place to... Um, you know, to kind of do all those things. And obviously it's an FA piece of work, you know, and, and, and they've been working on it for a while. And I suppose the proof will be in the pudding. But um, for me, it's about action and it's about support. I don't, for me, plans, um, strategies, for me, it's about coming together and supporting each other. That's the key. That's the key. Because I think I've, I've played for a long time. I've worked in the industry around equality for a long time. And, and I genuinely think sometimes people overcomplicate things. I really do. Like everyone, you know, you talk about equality and diversity and there's all this terminology and there's some really big pieces of work and that. No one ever talks about kindness and help. And actually, if you break it down, that's all I think is needed. That for me, you know, and, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that I know everything, but I've been in the game a long time and I do think sometimes we complicate moving forward when actually if you take it down to the absolute basics if you're in a position of power help someone else because someone will benefit from your position if you're in a position where you've got a network bring it together to help so again help and kindness for me is is the way forward and I think that's what I try to do with fans diversity I try to kind of really simplify things bring people together get them to embrace the game, get them to love the game. If we have to manipulate relationships, create a network, create friends. But actually, we're trying to simplify everything because, like I said, I think we're in a good place now. And I think if you look at all the great work and all the great individuals that have helped us get to this position, I think that's all come from kindness, help, and being supportive, those three things. So for me, if, if you know, moving forward, they're the three things I think we all need to to adopt cool fantastic okay <clears throat> right some of the more exciting stuff not say what we haven't talked about hasn't been exciting um sam kerr so she's not someone that we talk about often at least i don't think we it, we do when it comes to asians in football etc but she is of asian heritage i believe her mum was indian is that right see and 
She won the Golden Boot for I uh, mean the Premier League this year for the in a women's super league, sorry. Chelsea won the FA Women's League Cup, the WSL itself, and they got to final of the Champions League. What can you tell us about her Z? If you ever heard of Sam Kerr, then you know it's um I'll be questioning your love of football because Sam Kerr is like that all action hero when it comes, especially in the women's game. She's um she's one of those crazy people who plays football all year round. At one stage, she was playing... She's, from, she's Australian. And she was playing in the women's uh, league in Australia for half the year and then flew out to America to play the rest of the year in the American women's league. Um, she's a big name there. She's a huge name for Australia, for the, for the women's team. Um, and then she came to... you know, It was one of those moments of when and not if she was going to be playing in the WSL. Now, obviously... I give credit to, to the FA in terms of what they've done for the women's game in this country. They've um, popularised it. They've given it the right kind of branding and image, getting that increased coverage on 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 TV as well, on, on mainstream. It's not just flung on the highlights at the back end of the match of the day. You're actually getting to see more and more coverage and the content is really good as well. And they're really making a good push um, in supporting the women's game in this country and to get one of the biggest stars in, in, in the women's game. We also had Alex Morgan who played a little while at Tottenham but Sam Kerr is is if you want to say a poster girl for for women's football uh, she's known for her iconic backflips uh, if you haven't seen them go check them out um, and she started off slow uh, when she joined Chelsea um, but she ended the season golden boot was it 21 goals in 22 games lifted the 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 women's super league the league cup got to the final of the women's champions league She's she's made a great. She, this is an example again. We're talking about players who make impact for a team, and she definitely made that impact. And for I guess young women, especially in the South Asian community, it's an inspiration because twenty almost twenty years ago we had the film Ben Black Beckham, which kind of shone a light about the the challenges girls face in South Asian community, but not just in South Asian community. I think girls just in general when it comes to football. At that stage, 20 years ago, we had Permi Duty tell us about the scene or what football was like at the turn of the century and playing for Fulham and becoming the first professional women's team in the country. You fast forward two decades and now, as I was saying, it's like there's, there's great coverage and everyone, just players who are household names. And to see the accolade that Sam's getting with the added fact that she's also got that Desi heritage makes it even better for us. Fantastic. Yeah, her goal return. Her goal return is actually quite shocking. She scores everywhere, uh, even at international yeah. level. Uh, so it's it's great to see, and I think that is important as well to have female representation. Um, and even if we have to use, you know, players, because I've spoken about her for for a while actually. And even if you have to use players from around the world, and we go back to a young lad who's now playing for Northern Ireland, it, I think that's really important as well because we've got a prominent community in England. And we are making waves, but it's great to see uh, some some South Asian uh, ballers all over the world actually doing the same. Talking all over the world. Next stop, let's go to Wales. Welsh Premier League was won by Connor Key Nomads, and they've got one Samran Do. Do you like my link there? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was is that second two years running these one in. Two years running, yeah. Second consecutive title in the Welsh Premier League. It's an impressive trophy. I don't know if you've seen it. 
It's absolutely phenomenal. They're just and the Premier League trophy looks good, right? You know, you got the the whole, you know, it, the crown and everything. But if you look at the Welsh Premier League trophy, that's the title I'd like to have in my kind of like on my shelf for sure. Fair enough. Um, we had the was it the delayed FA Vars final as well, which featured Puriwal versus Puriwal. Do you know those guys? And what? Yes, I've um, known them for a little while. I did um, some work with the England C team where he arranged a game against uh, Punjab FC and they both played. That was played at Solihull Moors. So I've uh, I've always kept in touch with a lot of the lads there who have gone on to play um, in all levels of non-league. And actually, we had a discussion after the Wembley game because I'm doing some work with the community in Sunderland around community cohesion and working with the club and I want to get the, the Puyol brothers involved in that because I think they're based in Sunderland they do a lot of work around PE and coaching so we're in talks around doing some stuff like that because for me obviously going into schools and, and talking to students and university students and stuff is is great it's what I do but for me to go to Sunderland and actually bring in a couple of local lads that can talk about playing at Wembley as brothers together you know that to be fair I mean we get a South Asian um, link. That's that's an that's an amazing story for anyone. You know, two twins playing up against each other at Wembley. Um, oh, it's a fantastic story. Uh, you know, they're really good players, and I think they're quite well known in the in the northeast as well. And um, hopefully, they can carry on uh, the, the momentum that they've caught from the, the the final and do some really good work in the community. Cool. So, could you imagine what was going on in the household at the time? Like, who do you support? Like which your favorite child, obviously. But they're twins, though, isn't it? So it makes it even worse. They're both born at the same time. You can't pick the oldest against the youngest. It literally is the identical moment. Wouldn't it have been funny if they actually switched play, traded places as well? Like just a half time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Done it at half time and come out in a little <laughs> news story afterwards. We we did what we want. <laughs> so Arjun captained his team, but and Amar won. So there's that. Other things, Otis Khan made the semi-final playoffs, right? With Tranmere. Yeah. Yeah, Tran- Tranmere had a bit of a weird end to the season because they were on this push for, for promotion, for the automatic spots, and they kind of fell off at the end, and then they sacked their manager just before the playoffs. So it's like, you get to the playoff places, and then you bring the new manager in just for the kind of that final three-game push. It just felt a little strange, and they fell short of um, getting to the final. So, it's one of those kind of bittersweet moments, almost but not quite, for Otis on two occasions this season. Cool. Jan Dander, or his Swansea team, got to Wembley, got to the playoff final. We know they lost to Brentford, um, which, listen, it's fantastic anyway, because we've had Kevin on the show as well. We know Brentford have got this goal of becoming the most inclusive football club in the country. Um, and they're making great strides, really are. But but Jan's, I guess, the star of our story. How's his season been? See, not been. It, it could have been better, I guess. I guess he could have got more starts in. He's been pretty much used off the bench as an impact player. He's had a few starts, but not at the same level. And I think at the moment, you know, halfway through the season when he was getting the starts, he had that situation where he was abused online and. Which you know then led to to uh, other moments, and it, it you could see it, it, it did shake him as a person. He spoke about it openly as well. Maybe that kind of rocked the season a little. It's not a nice thing to go through for sure. It's, it's not a nice thing to go to, but it's not been a season where he's had a chance to get a lot of starts. 
but he's been an important member of the team. He did come on in the playoff final as well, trying to impact something at the end. But I think this is the second season where Brentford had have had the better of them. Last season, he was in the playoff semi-finals and this time in the final. So if they're following that trend, hopefully Swansea get promoted next season, if that's the trend. I mean, there was talk in January of a couple of Premier League teams that were looking at Jan as well. So there's a possibility. We... We may see him with more coverage sooner rather than later, I guess. Um, Okay, so I'll be honest with you. In January, when we saw Arjun play for Villa against Liverpool, I didn't think we'd hear much more of him again. Um, But Villa, their, their youth team has been doing really well. And then he got to... Well, it wasn't to Wembley, it was to Villa Park, wasn't it? He got to the FA Youth Cup final... And he put in a man of the match performance. Did you get to see that, Anwar? Yeah, it was a great game. Um, I was really impressed. Funny because I've been watching a lot of um, Villa after that game against Liverpool. Um, a former colleague of mine at West Ham is now the under 23s manager at Villa. And obviously, we're looking at all the shot, always looking for players you know, that need experience, that need a little bit of um, an opportunity in the lower leagues to maybe. You know, learn learn a little bit about the game. So we've um, had a look at a few of those boys, and um, St. Arjun's been very, very impressive. And I think it's always difficult. You know, when you watch a, a group of players at the start of the season, you think, "Oh, we could maybe take a few on loan." And they, they they do so well. It's kind of annoying because you think, oh, "Now they're going to go and want to play in the league or in League One, or we're not going to be able to get them." So uh, a couple of the lads have actually come into the national league and done well for other clubs. But to see him. Uh, obviously, play against Liverpool was brilliant, but then to, for them to win the Youth Cup, really, I think it, it, it does show that there is a, an opportunity for the first team to really, really benefit from that. You know, when I won the Youth Cup with my crop at West Ham all those years ago, if you look at those that that squad that played in that final, you know, six or seven of them went on to play for England, not just once, but for years. You know, Jermaine Defoe still playing and scoring. I don't know how he's doing it. But I think it's a really promising time for Aston Villa as a club. And I think that group, if they continue with their development and the way they're going, I think they can really complement the club's first team. They're actually having a decent season all round. So it's a, it's a good time for the club. Cool. What did you make of the game, Z? He made, he made, he made the assist for the first goal, didn't he? Yeah, It's like, well, if you're, if you're going to make an impact, then if, if people weren't watching or just watching half-heartedly, then they were sitting up after that. And it's like you saw a lot of him. He won man the match. He's got a great engine on him. He's got that. I think everyone just loves these little these crossfield passes that he does. Um, he's been who, who? Someone compared him as the Punjabi Perlo, and I was like, that's a bit of a a big statement. But he's obviously playing in a team that knows each other quite well. They're very they're very a very dynamic young Villa team. Louis Barry is one of the names that, you know, he, he scored against Liverpool in the FA Cup third round. So, and, and the good thing about this Villa team is after that game, that could have been a detriment because that could have been the biggest game in these young lads' careers and they may not have gone on to do anything else after that because it, it happens sometimes, isn't it? Because a lot is made about the big moment under lights, everyone's got attention on you and then you kind of try and kind of live on that moment. But, Wherever Villa are doing their setup is pretty good because all these lads then just continued and then at the end of it they got the fruits because they won the FA Youth Cup and you, you can't you can't you know you can't round off a better season better than that. And well, in terms of 
boost to confidence and what impact that can have. Arjun's had a fantastic season. He's it, it started for us from the outside with that Liverpool game. And there were a bunch of kids playing against Liverpool and they were level at one point, which which was fantastic. Um, and then getting through to the FA Youth Cup final and winning it again against another massive academy team. How you've had that as well. What kind of impact can that have on you as a person and potential career? It's massive. It's like with football, football is a confidence plays a massive role in, in what you do next. It's like when you've had a great game, the next game, you just go into it thinking you can walk on water. Uh, if you've had a great season, the next season, you just think you can do anything. When you have that confidence, it really does kind of complement and push you further. Um, but like I said, those those Villa boys and, and, and Arjun in particular, it's been someone we've been watching. I've been watching, you know, on the streams at 23s games and 18s games for, for a while now. And there's, you know, they're a good player. And I think good players don't always get their highlights at such a young age. But for that group to have the Liverpool game and then the FA Youth Cup win, I think it would be only right that a club maybe kind of embrace a couple of them into their first team squad next season. So, and they've got that momentum. So they're walking into that changing room, not thinking, oh, I'm a young player. This is all very big and scary. I've just won the FA Youth Cup, played against Liverpool's first team and done okay. Like, I'm all right. Like, I'm here. This is where I should be. And I think that confidence can really give them a massive, massive uh, head start going into next season. Good luck to Arjun next season. All right. So, last thing on my list. Uh, Z, what shirt are you wearing? It's the first time I've worn a shirt of another club. <laughs> Go on. Um, there's only one reason for that. Um, I've got the number 20. I'm wearing a Leicester City shirt. Wearing the number 20 on the back. Can you guess what the name is on the, on the back as well? If it's not Desi Ballers, they're like, what are you doing to promote yourself, man? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing Hamza Chowdhury's shirt. Um, if you had to round off a season which has been full of a lot of highs, a few lows, but a few success stories along the way, then the ultimate success... I mean, look, we've had the poor Royals have success at Wembley, but we've all dreamed of winning the FA Cup. We've all played some form of game when we were younger, dreaming of winning the FA Cup or winning the league, right? And then to see Leicester City, the way they've been performing over the last few years, almost against the odds, but they've become a team that's become quite competitive. Get to the final and win the FA Cup. And to see a young brother who we've spoken about already, Hamza Chowdhury, come on, play those final critical moments. Because at that stage, Leicester were 1-0 up. He comes on and he's, brought, he's been brought on to shut up shop, really. And against a very attacking Chelsea team. Because it's, it's, um, we've seen Chelsea win the Champions League, haven't we, recently? And they've seen the talent that they have. And for Brendan Rodgers to trust Hamza to come on, to shore up that midfield, to keep out this like rapid resurgent Chelsea team is a big moment in itself. So the fact that he got to play in the FA Cup final was big, but then to see him lift the trophy, it just, it just rounded off everything for me. But what was even better than the FA Cup final, seeing him lift the trophy was 
the reaction from his family. I'm, just, I'm sure people have seen the video on socials of him being embraced by, by his friends and family when he got back home. And you're just thinking, you know, hours. as an Asian player, as an Asian player, you probably had success and because of in the past, the, the, the coverage has not been there, you kind of end up celebrating with your friends and family, but it becomes a very private moment. But when you're a former South Asian community, you see it was, it was a very, very Asian welcome back home as well. It was a very, very kind of the whole friends, family, the whole streets out there. There's about 20, 30, 40 members out there embracing him. It's like, um, you know, the prodigal son returns moment. That was massive for me. It was just amazing to see the brother win. It was amazing to see him being embraced. And even on, on, on again, it come back down to how the community reacts as well. And you've seen that positive reaction in the, in the community, especially on social media. There was the moment with him raising the, the Palestinian flag with Wesley Fon at the end of the game. And again, something that I mentioned early on about the confidence that these young players have in celebrating their identities and their viewpoints. Something happened last summer, which was terrible, right? Was, what happened with George Floyd, it was a horrible moment. And the fact is, we're all at home. We're watching this man's life just ebb away in front of us. You, you saw it happen. You normally hear about deaths in custody. You hear about death by the hands of the authorities. But it almost becomes just another thing. But here, because everyone was at home, the attention was there. You saw it happen. And unfortunately, like, from that, there's been these roots that have grown that have been quite positive. There's, there's been positive impact being made in, in the community. And I know some people have taken, I don't say offence, but they've, they've questioned whether he should have done that, whether raising the Palestinian flag or not. But it's a very big humanitarian situation going on in the world right now. Um, and it's not just that one. We saw it earlier on in the season with the, the farmers in, in India, which had a huge impact and people talking about it in a way where it's not just, uh, you know, headline one day and chip paper the next day. Social media hasn't allowed that to happen. Social media has allowed that conversation to continue. And I think that's where that good energy is coming from because we're now not only seeing like moments or seeing causes, but we're actually falling through and, and, and saying, what more can we do? And trying to do more and more and more. And I think when Anwar mentions about seeing things on socials of, 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 of positive moments that happen on the pitch, or the players that are playing both in the men's and women's game, it's that momentum. It's not a one-off story that happens. We've, we've made it to a point where it's continuous improvement, continuous success, continuous story and narrative, and more and more names being added to that story as well. And it, if we're going to round up this kind of section, having someone like Sky Sports and their section to tell you the narrative of the story, like we've gone through it today, but if you scroll through the pages, you can see the narrative of the season. And it's different stories, different impacts. It's good, it's bad, it's highs, it's lows, it's non-league, it's Premier League. Having that kind of overall spectrum just makes it that, uh, gives me confidence that better things are going to happen because we're all pushing together. And that's the important part. Fantastic. I was going to ask you guys about top 10 moments, etc. But I think, to be honest, I think this is where we should wrap it up. We've got a player of Asian heritage lifting the FA Cup at Wembley. It's what something that we've wanted to see. It's happened. So roll on next year. 
Yeah, no, just it was an amazing um, thing to see. And everyone talks about, you know, listen, 20, 30 years I've been having the same conversations and to start to see players at the highest level do the most amazing things in football, for me, it's just like, you know, I've been waiting a long, long time to, to see this and to... So when you know when when I, I tweeted a picture of, of Hamza lifting the trophy, but what he doesn't realise is there was you know the whole of the South Asian community that were lifting the trophy with him, um, and that's that's the important thing for me. It's about celebrating that support because there's so much that that journey has has had to sort of go through. There's many people. There's there's times. There's ups. There's downs. So we're starting to see some really, really good success stories. And that's got nothing to do with anything else other than the players and, and them getting there and them doing it. So we have to acknowledge that. And you know, for players like that to win the FA Cup is, is an amazing achievement. But I just think that it's great for the community to finally see some of these things because the questions now can start to change. Amwa, when are we going to see Amwa? The answers can change. Do you know how exhausting that is to talk about the same question with the same answers for so long? Um, and for me, I know that everyone everyone has everyone supports things in different ways. And I think one people I think people don't realise is like the world isn't just social media. I've got a lot of friends that are not on Twitter, for example, or Instagram, and uh, they sent me a couple of emails about Hamza Child. This is amazing. This is amazing. Um, everyone supports the journey in different ways. But the main thing is that we all support it, and that's the key thing. Um, so for it for for that to happen, and and not just that, obviously we talked about the Vars final, the trophy final, playoff finals. I don't think there's a league or a a, a prominent date in the domestic calendar where there isn't a an Asians in football connection now. So that is real change. So, so this off season, it's going to be nice because it's a little bit of an, an opportunity to chill. But you look back on the work that Dev's done, for example, at Sky, all the stories. You can sit here and actually just enjoy a season where there's so many positives and that will start to smash that lazy uh, stereotype that we always hear and actually gives us some positivity to, to answer. So I can't wait now for, for people to ask me these questions because they will. It happens once a week. It has done for 30 years, but all of a sudden the answers now can be different, which I've been waiting so long to say.